but simple whenever we think about the scientific process or even the engineering design process. It's first and foremost, have a hypothesis or what is your question? What are you trying to solve? Um, and then you start breaking it down. What do you know? Put definition around something and then start breaking it down piece by piece. I think as humans, we get overwhelmed because to our point, we're just like, I hurt, I'm in pain, I feel lost, I don't know what I, what I wanna do with my life. And it becomes this big problem when we break it down into smaller pieces. So I would say break it down into the smaller piece that you can, and maybe even multiple pieces. When you or your team are going through issues, when communication is lacking among different groups, when the approach to solve a problem in your life is just not working the way you expected, what do you do? Have you ever considered an engineering approach to solve it? Believe it or not, applying the engineering problem-solving approach to human situations can be quite effective in our lives. Today, Brian Martin, founder of the People Engineer podcast, joins our show to help us adapt some innovation into our daily lives. This is Inno Latino. Hola, mi gente. Bienvenidos. Welcome todos to Inno Latino. <laughs> Today I have a very, very special interviewee. She's a Chicana that is quite an example for us. Her name is Brianne Martin. Bienvenida, Brianne. <laughs> hello, hello. Thank you for having me. Very good. Thank you for, for accepting my invitation. So you're an engineer. And where are you originally from in Texas? Yeah, I'm originally from a crossroads named Victoria, Texas. It's in between Corpus, Houston, and San Antonio. Oh, wow. Did that bring up some diversity into your life as well to see, to come from different big cities at the same time, to have so many different cities around? <laughs> yeah, um, it's really interesting because we certainly had several um, pockets. Like I said, Corpus Christi has its own culture, Houston and San Antonio. But it very much was seen as like a vacation or a trip to go to one of these big cities. Growing up, it was probably around maybe 65, 70,000 population. We definitely had diversity, but unfortunately, again, the, the normal South experience in South Texas, we had buckets. So you knew where kind of Little Mexico was, or if you lived on the side of the tracks that kind of really defined your socioeconomic status, which mm. tended to be uh, people of color, particularly growing up, we had two separate high schools and it was known as this high school was for people of mm -hmm. color and this one was for the white people. So yeah. it, it um, definitely was interesting because it's not that far away of the movies that you say, wow, that was so segregated. And oh, when our wow. communities are built on that, it certainly shows. In, and uh, I grew up in Venezuela, in Caracas, and in, in Caracas, you had the slums right next to the very ritzy areas. Oh, wow. you know? So yeah, I, I was one of the few middle-class people and we, my family oscillated between middle-class and lower middle-class. Mm -hmm. So you know, I, I was able to, to witness the intimidation that you feel sometimes about these people are loaded and I'm not. <laughs> and uh, they go to a nice universities and nice schools and I don't. Although I'm very happy with the education I got, but is that feeling that what surrounds you is what defines you? Yeah. Isn't, isn't that weird sometimes? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> you don't know any better, right? That, that yeah. again, your expectation, that's the way it is um, until you're shown or helped understand otherwise. Yes. And in my case, I sometimes I 
felt as, as if it was a universal fact that I wasn't going to make it. I had the desire, but I said, no, I'm me. And I'm not as smart as such person that, that comes from a better background than me, or I'm not gringo. So I, <laughs> I'm not German or something like that. And, uh, and they are more disciplined than we are. Sometimes even, and this is the, looking back, uh, something that really, I'm not going to say offend me, but I, it pains me is when the teachers tell you that, that you can't achieve because <laughs> you are brown, because you're Venezuelan, because you're Latino or something like that, unlike other cultures that they achieve. So isn't, well, did you have a similar experience? Yeah, absolutely. And I do think, especially now, we're having conversations of the growth mindset. There's been a lot of work done in mm -hmm. you know, the psychological um, research of even that. Brene Brown talks about vulnerability, yeah. and I'm very much interested in the growth mindset. My mom very much instilled in me. You always get the answer of no if you never ask. Yes. <laughs> um, and a lot of times people say no because, again, it's a not yet, or maybe that's not the right person for you or the right time. There's so many things that go into that. So I completely agree. Uh, I've certainly experienced it myself. And growing up in Victoria was that surrounding of saying, you're just a little brown girl. You don't have a dad or you're not important. Who is your family? And that was oh. always something that, and I, I feel we see it in every culture, the politics and how are you choosing to play? Do you even want to play? Is it worth your time or your energy or effort? Oh. And I, I think to your point, understanding what labels that we, that others identify us with, but then more importantly, are we going to allow that to define us? Absolutely. So give it the power that it either deserves or to say that this doesn't define who I am and I'm going to either grow or I'm going to work hard. Or I'm going to, you know, gain a skill set or similar to you, I'm going to take myself out of this situation and put myself in another yeah. so where I can actually flourish. Excellent. That took ganas that took guts so mm -hmm. i commend you for that <laughs> thank you thank you tell me a little bit about the process of you wanting to become an engineer and also to my listeners let me tell you something that, that i have in common with brianne he said she's an artist too she's a singer so my dad is a singer and a choir director and i i learned from him and uh, i had the chance to sing as well semi-professionally but I, i would like to hear from you from both sides the artistic And then the scientific side, the engineering side, if, if, if that's yeah, okay with you. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I appreciate you asking because I very much advocate for bringing your whole self. So the singing side started when I was three years old. Funny enough, even before then, when I was a baby, my mom would be cleaning the apartment and she'd put me in the middle of the, of the room with the radio on and she would notice I'd like just start swaying or moving to the music. She's like, this is a child. There's no way. It just so happened. So she would change the station. And I would wait and listen, and then I would start rocking to the right. different beat. And it would go from Tejano music to rock or pop music wow. to country. And yeah, she thought, okay, I'm going to encourage this. Let's just see where this goes. So by the time of two, two and a half, I had a karaoke machine. I was practicing at a home. Oh, and wow. then at three years old, I was my first public performance. And I've never looked back. It was my sense of being able to connect with people, that this pure emotion, that feeling. Yes. And for the first time, it didn't matter you know, what color or whether you were a man or female, like it was like we felt each other and that energy in the room was just so magnificent. And speaking to a fellow musician, you just, it's like you see colors and that was just so special to me. 
and so that was something I thought, this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. I knew going into school, YouTube and all this stuff wasn't <laughs> a thing then, but I just thought like, I have to have a home studio. Like whatever I do, I have to be able to create music to be able to afford like studio time. Funny enough, I have my keyboard here behind me now. <laughs> and so growing up, I thought, okay, what's something that can put me ahead financially that helped me be able to have my financial freedom. And then the more that I was learning about different careers and jobs, just, I was always very interested in like, how does a chair have both plastic and metal? Like it doesn't grow on a tree like that. What are all these buttons holding stuff together? And again, I was asking these questions as six, seven, eight years old, very much in, encouraged to be inquisitive and curious. And so in my freshman year in high school, I took a hand instrument drafting class. Again, AutoCAD was just becoming a thing then. I think it was like, you know, 2004 at the time. Mm -hmm. And I just thought, oh my gosh, I cannot draw stick figures to save my life, <laughs> but I can draw, draw an isometric view, like a 3D model of something wow. with just pencil, paper, and triangles. So after that, I thought this is just so cool. I can create stuff that never existed. I can design. I can, as much as you could like, have a hammer and nails and build stuff, like I can come up with a concept first. I can visualize it. I can contextualize it. I can apply basic math equations to figure stuff out. And especially in the time of high school, things yes. were very weird for me. Like most high schoolers are trying to yeah. figure <laughs> life out, what makes sense. And the fact that I couldn't solve my internal problems almost got me addicted to solving, uh -huh. you know, just math problems, science oh, problems. And uh, after that, I never looked back. So I found out about mechanical engineering. Funny enough, what I was really interested in was like industrial or manufacturing engineering, mm -hmm. the two worlds of business and processes and how things work. Great. That is awesome. And, and I'm really enthralled right now, like fascinated because I, well, I took a drafting class in high school <laughs> and I was terrible. <laughs> I was really bad and I'm still traumatized by it. But I'm, I've always had that uh, curiosity of how things Uh, work. I'm not a scientist by any chance, by any means, I'm sorry. But at the same time, that creative side of me of studying music and, and singing fed into that as well. And I, as an adult, now I, I admire the, the best of bo both worlds, if you will. Mm -hmm. And when I hear your story, it's as if I'm, I'm, I'm learning, I'm feeling myself. And when you were talking about you singing and having that human connection with the public, I absolutely know what you mean. So again, I commend you for that. Thanks. Where did you go to school? Yeah, so I started at Marquette University uh, mm -hmm. in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Yeah. It's a private school. It's actually the second oldest co-op program where they allow you to have an internship essentially in Great. the middle of your studying. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it was amazing. It's actually a Jesuit school. They tie in theology and what I call liberal Catholicism, yeah. which was perfect because they made us take philosophy and theology. But the whole time, I specifically remember my ethics class is they had us question everything. Wow. Like, we want you to question your faith. Why do you believe what you believe? Like, we are given this Bible and these instructions and make it make sense in the context of your life. How does God, the universe, the Big Bang Theory all speak uh -huh. to us? Because they they really just encouraged the open-mindedness of how does it make sense and gave us the tools and the resources. It was really interesting because even looking for colleges, uh -huh. Marquette's slogan was be the difference. And yes. I know we were chatting earlier, but if it wasn't for that opportunity to open my eyes in such a 
cultivation uh, opportunity for me just simply being on campus. It was absolutely beautiful. I love it. Mm -hmm. Although I'm not a Roman Catholic, most of my family is. I'm a Latter-day Saint, but I was taught by people who were taught by Jesuits. Mm -hmm. And uh, I've had this Im uh, image, and tell me if I'm wrong, that the Jesuits are so service, so oriented in service. Yes. And uh, the, the progress of the human being through intellect, and especially those who are less fortunate. Okay, let's take education to those who, who do not have access. Yep. And they're like, like the commandos of, of priests. It is, and to me, again, I grew up Roman Catholic, very traditional. Again, I was explaining Victoria, mm -hmm. which it, it was very much judgmental. I even know like my church, I had all kinds of drama and the chisme and it was like <laughs> yeah. the worst kind because you're mm -hmm. like, to your point, isn't church supposed to be where you come and you're, mm -hmm. you know, vulnerable and you're open and honest. And again, it wasn't until going to a Jesuit school, like you said, being surrounded by people who were dedicated to service, like you said, dedicated to it's okay if you mess up, like we're here for love, Jesus loved all. And even just that message to your point, making sure what we had was being shared. You were grateful and appreciative for the things you did have. And again, made it a point to offer any type of support for anyone that you could. It was definitely a shift in, again, what I was expected from humanity. It, right. it was a beautiful change. So I bet that expanded your vision about the universe, if you will. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And what's even interesting, again, and I'm very open about this, is I had started therapy around the time because mm -hmm. it was like, hey, there's a bunch of stuff I need to work through talking yeah. about mental health and awareness. Mm -hmm. Like I said, Marquette did an amazing job of making sure the students knew, Great. hey, if there's a problem, there are different types of resources for different problems. I essentially got asked to leave Marquette because my studies were struggling. I ended up transferring out, but exactly to your point, it just opened my eyes of, okay, it doesn't have to be right now. Let me ask. I'll never forget after I even had this letter that said, thank you, but no thank you. A <laughs> uh, chair of the math department sat down with me uh, and it would have to have been like an hour and a half. And we sat down in a math building. Again, it was already like when classes were done and he just sat there with me and going through like problem after problem. And then I, again, I'll never forget, shout out to Dr. Krenz, put his hand on my hand and said, Brianne, you completely understand the concept. And it was for calculus two, which is the hardest weed out class. Oh, is. I went through that. So I exactly. <laughs> and he says, you understand the concept where you struggle is algebra. Like it's simply, you set the problem up perfectly. It's like you solving for X. And so just that simple, again, clarity, someone took the time to help me through what my struggle was and identify wow. the actual problem. I passed the next class I applied for, at the, again, a university I transferred to, and I passed with a B. And it was that simple because then he allowed me to work on what really mattered, the simple foundation of algebra, rather than thinking, oh, I'm not cut out for it. Calculus two is just too hard. Wow. And, you know, it, so I think to your point, it's the power of the mindset shift and, and really identifying the problem in front of us. So in a way, it took someone who actually cared, had that mystic of the docent, the teacher, the the master to say, I actually, what seeing you is, you're, you are great. You are smart. You just need to correct this little thing. I wish that someone <laughs> told me that when I exactly. took calculus for crying exactly. out loud. <laughs> and just like you said, like growing up, if you have people saying you're not smart enough, you're not good enough, or you have a weird accent, like then all of a sudden we get so self-conscious of little things that again, at the end don't matter. Yeah. Yeah. What would you tell some of our listeners are actually in the demographic of 
college students, and some of them are also in high school. To those, especially the, the Latino and the Chicano, who are struggling with a particular scientific concept, or might be a, a humanities concept as well, what would you tell them? Yeah, so this is funny enough I, why I created my whole brand of the mm -hmm. people engineer yes. is it's simple whenever we think about the scientific process or even the engineering design process. It's first and foremost have a hypothesis for what is your question? What are you trying to solve? Um, and then you start breaking it down. What do you know? Put definition around something and then start breaking it down piece by piece. I think as humans, we get overwhelmed because to our point, we're just like, I hurt, I'm in pain, I feel lost, I don't know what I, what I want to do with my life. And it becomes this big problem when we break it down into smaller pieces. So I would say break it down into the smaller piece that you can, and maybe even multiple pieces. For me, a, a big conversation I tend to have is like a life wheel. People are like, Brian, I don't uh -huh. know what I want to do with my life, I'm just super unhappy. And we can look it up online, simply just Google a life wheel, and it usually breaks it up into maybe you know seven or eight different groups. And you'll start with physical health, uh, physical environment, like finances, uh, career or job. And so the more that you just say, let me rate myself. I'm a process engineer, manufacturing engineer uh -huh. for the last 10 years. So I say even just do an audit, right? Like a simple assessment. Yeah. Where am I currently at? Where would I like to be? Okay, if I'm at a five and I'd like to be at an eight, what are what does step five to six look like? What does step six to seven look like? And step seven to eight look like? And then you become much more aware of what's needed, of a simple process. Uh, and this is a lot of where, again, simple personal development, career development, or even like, you know, health and fitness. If you want to lose weight, if you want to feel better, if you feel tight, intense, stretch, there's simple solutions. But to think that you're going to wake up and do it in overnight is <laughs> unrealistic. Um, yeah. It's these baby steps. And so just simply to have a plan, we all stumble and fail. You're not going to hit 30 out of 30 days yeah. like we all would like or all the commercials promise us. But just having that plan starts one, releasing a lot of the anxiety, and then two, gives you a roadmap of what to follow next. Excellent. I love that. Applying those engineering processes into our own lives and into our own challenges. Absolutely. Well, thank you. I, I've built again an entire brand. This is my specialty. It's what I'm passionate about because as soon as like you, to your point, I realized it and applied it to my own life. It really gave me this sense of control, responsibility, and just opportunity. We we're talking about innovation. So just the newness of it, of what could be possible mm -hmm. if I just gave myself a plan, if I just dreamed big and then broke it down wow. into little steps. I love it. Th tell me more about your brand, please. Oh, yeah. The people engineer. It just happened. I was mentioning I was in manufacturing for the last <laughs> 10 years, and I really enjoyed learning. I tend to hop around from job to job. I essentially created my own rotational program at a, an international aerospace company. And no matter what role or like the actual responsibilities I had, at the end of the day, it just came to, it came down to me solving people problems. <laughs> Most of the time it was Jan wasn't talking to Maria and Maria had no idea what me was doing in inventory. Um, and so it just simply became, okay, so what are your problems? And Maria would say this and this, or they don't put the sticker on the right side. I would talk to Jan in design and he would say, I want to help, but this is the kind of things that I don't know what's going on. And then to simply collect, again, just information, observe, okay. to simply listen and then take it back and say, okay, these three people, let's sit down. Let's, you know, envision a world of unicorns and rainbows. And if you could have everything <laughs> you wanted, what would this look like? 
and tying those together. Like I said, creating a plan, creating kind of step-by-step, you're going to take this responsibility. We're going to hold each other accountable. We're all going to show up and help each other out. Then created, I guess, so many different solutions. And it was very much collective, collaborative efforts. And so with that, I started speaking about it. I would share my experiences, again, whether I was learning through therapy or my own personal training of Mm -hmm. professional and leadership development. As I was failing on my face or I would upset people, I would be honest about it and said, I thought this was the right way. I'm being trained to do this. And in reality, this is you know how it actually played out. So the more that I just share my own experiences, I'm again, very honest and open, um, very, again, just unfiltered because I feel, especially now, people want us to see their best light. They'll pay for a photo shoot. They'll look at posing on a nice car. Uh-huh. And in reality, nobody shows the hard truth of getting there or you putting in hours to build your a website or you putting in years to build your wow. business. And so I really focus on that. Again, tying the harsh realities of we do have struggles and we all have internal doubt to then how do you apply basic engineering principles to helping solve your everyday problems. Love it. I love it. I commend you again. Thank Such you. Such a, a brand that can do so much for, for us, for, uh, for the human being. So Thank you once again for coming to my podcast, if you will. I hope this is not the last time that we we have you on my podcast, and because there is so much, so that that you can uh, help us with 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 your craft, with your art, with your knowledge. So yeah. I hope you consider us having this type of conversation later on in another show, because this is just fascinating. <laughs> so thank you once again, Brianna the people engineer. <laughs> Thank you. I very much appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Not a problem. Nos vemos. Take care. <laughs> All right. Well, friends, that's our show for today. Some of the lessons Brian taught me today are, number one, it's okay to question how I perceive reality in order to find the right answers. Number two, our problems can be analyzed We can see what works and what doesn't. Yep, trial and error in order to solve a problem. Number three, just because you haven't had success in something, it doesn't mean you're bad at it. You just need to subdivide the problem into smaller pieces and tackle the issue that is impeding your progress. If there's something that you like or didn't like about the show, or if you'd like me to touch on a specific subject, Leave me a message at anchor.fm slash ignolatino. That's A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M slash I-N-N-O Latino. Nos vemos.